Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. They can't catch him, but you can catch us. It's Tuesday night. It's the C3 Panthers podcast brought to you by CarolinaCatChronicles.com. And I got to say, it's a party. That's right. It's a party. It's episode 52. That's right. Six years deep. We hit 52. More than that this season, Cody. And I've done a lot of it with my buddy, Cody Lashney. What's up, my friend? Tony Don, it's another Tuesday night. Hopefully one of many more to come. I'm happy to be here, man. There's so much to talk about. It seems like every Tuesday night, man, even in the off season with nothing happening now, there's a ton to talk about. I'd rather be talking about it with no one else than you and these beautiful people in the chat. Susan Deans, I see you in the YouTube chat. Tim Tizzy, Underground West. We love you all. Let's do it, man. We're ready to go. It's a party, folks. Tonight's show is Seniors Eat Free Agency. We're going to be talking about Cam Newton's shoulder and the arthroscopic surgery that has occurred since our last show and some of the discussion around that. We'll also be uh, continuing our discussion on free agency this week. Landon Collins is under uh, is on our radar, and we've got Jerry Foley from the Giant Insider senior editor to help us uh, kind of figure out where the Giants are at in free agency as well as where Landon Collins fits in their picture. And we'll be kind of asking ourselves, Cody, at the towards the back end of the show, Landon Collins or Eric Reed on a good day. Yeah, man, it's a it's a it's definitely an interesting question that the Panthers are gonna have to make a decision on. 
uh, whether or not we want to extend Eric or bring in someone potentially even better than Eric who might also be more expensive. There is news today about some kind of minor free agency additions or continued signings of the Panthers have ex- extended two guys. Uh, we'll talk about Obata and Manhart's extension, as well as looking ahead to or looking at the Senior Bowl, which to me, in my mind, has replaced the Pro Bowl. And at the same time, I haven't watched much yeah. of any, so I'm going to have to ask Cody Lashney a lot about that. So you can be a part of that conversation. The number's 252 228 5098. That's the cat calls line. You can uh, leave a message there anytime, not only during the show, but after and throughout the week. Follow the show, subscribe, make sure to smash that thumbs up button wherever you're watching on Facebook, YouTube, Periscope, and uh, just continue to help us in the offseason go for 52 more. And don't worry, we're boycotting the Super Bowl, or at least we're all Rams fans for a moment. All right, Cody. Let's go ahead and jump into this. Cam's orth, uh, art, Cam has undergone the knife again. We think, I believe that he is kind of shy when it comes to going under the knife, like who wouldn't be, but he has gone. He is arthroscopic surgery. Reports come out, and the team physician has done this. This is the described by the team. What I thought was awesome, man, is this team – had an opportunity to beat the news. They are trying to own their own news, right? And they should. They're this giant billion-dollar organization. They have the opportunity to employ writers and uh, reporters that are of the caliber of independent or third-party reporters. So they can control the news. And then it breaks that Cam Newton has had arthroscopic surgery. And I go to the post, and it says, Cam Newton has gone undergone minor arthroscopic surgery. It was exactly four sentences. The blog post was exactly four sentences. They just said, Cam Newton, quarterback, who has had trouble with his shoulder, has undergone surgery. I was like, guys, can you at least go ahead and get ahead of this? Cody, they say it's minor. They say it's a cleanup. What are your, what's your panic reaction? Well, it's not really a panic reaction. It tells me that they were looking to find out more. So it basically means that it was a scope. They were putting a camera in there and trying to see what damage was done, if anything was torn, if something was broken or, or, or out of place. You know, I mean, this is this is the franchise quarterback. You know, we've said numerous times that the Panthers live and die with Cam Newton. So I think uh, doing this at this point in the ball game, early on enough that way, if we see a problem, we'll be able to do something about it hopefully early enough, earlier than the last surgery that he had, which kind of came way later than people thought should have happened. Um, I do think that this is the right time. And, yeah, I think that Cam Newton – also, think if you're Cam Newton, the team doesn't know what's wrong. You definitely want to know what's wrong with your moneymaker, right? I mean, you really want to know what's what's the problem, and I feel as – you know, this was uh, trying to remedy that. All right. So that is what the team would love for you to think, right? Minor cleanup, all terms, arthroscopic. Let's be very uh, specific in the type of surgery it was because they're going to put a camera in you rather than completely pull you open and look at what's down in there. But so I was like, all right, 
Well, let me Google arthroscopic shoulder surgery and just see, like, kind of overall what the procedure can and is. And I was, all right, so they do those things, all true. You put the scope in, you look around. But they can repair labrums. They can repair rotator cuffs. They can repair tendons. They can do all types of stuff. So if 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 that terminology alone is enough to dissuade uh, me f- or, or to make me feel comfortable, I am not buying that entirely. Not saying there's anything wrong, but what does it mean to clean up trash, to clean out his shoulder? What does that truly mean? Is there like trash? Like, is there a diet Pepsi can floating around <laughs> in there? Like, what is, what did they do last time? And yeah, and what has Jordan and and what Jordan Rodriguez has continued to report on this story from the Charlotte Observer is that structurally everything seems to be okay with Cam. So, like you, what you're kind of leaning towards an exploratory surgery is, I think, is a valid kind of jump or leap or or whatever you would say association. But at the same time, what are you cleaning out of there? This could this isn't guaranteed to be minor. Is my point. Well, and another thing to think about, though, and you even kind of led with this, is as a billion-dollar organization, they're trying to get out in front of this and be the ones to drop the news. Well, I think that if they were doing something even more advanced than just looking around and doing some basic cleanup, I have no idea how they would even be able to keep that under wraps, you know? That's so much of a big deal, and, uh, you know, we even have some videos of Cam Newton that d- dropped today on his Instagram, and he's not wearing a brace or a sling on his shoulder. The man looks like he's all right and as though he's in good form. So I, I don't know. I I do sort of feel that it, at this point right now, it really is kind of exploratory, just looking at what's there, what might be damaged, and if they need to um, take any further action later on down the road, which we don't know what they found, really. So hopefully not. Well, look at this. Susan Deans with a big, big donation to the show. Thank you very much with the super chat. We appreciate that. Uh, That's keep how pounding. you're doing YouTube, Susan. I see you. <laughs> she came there. She's making a splash on YouTube right away. All right. It. So this is the Overtime Podcast Network. <laughs> Love it. Continuing to build on this. So I, Dr. Chow, he is, you can follow him at pro football doc on Twitter. Dr. Chow has been on this podcast before. He's a former uh, team doctor for the San Diego chargers. And now he not only practices as a doctor, but he writes uh, as, and has a podcast from the perspective of, a doctor and looking at injuries and just answering and giving a ton of insight to fans like us on just some of the things that go into and uh, into these types of injuries, into these types of rehabilitation programs, as well as just kind of making us familiar with the terminology. So we had him on after Cam Newton's original surgery in 2017. Like you said, that was later on. I saw Dr. Chow, he put out a tweet asking for questions uh, on his podcast about, you know, what are you guys interested in injury related in the league? And I said, thoughts on Cam Newton. I tweeted him. They tweeted me back. So they, they integrated this into the show. And this I asked, I just said thoughts on Cam Newton and 
at the fact that it was the team doctor that did the surgery rather than a specialist is that and is that make us feel comfortable with the terminology of arthroscopic surgery that idea that this is by nature minor because right. it's done with a camera here is dr chow on his podcast you can follow him at pro football doc addressing these questions right here as far as news around the league uh, cam newton was announced to have shoulder surgery that is what we talked about all along by all reports it's labeled as minor don't be fooled just because it's arthroscopic with a scope doesn't mean it is minor. After all, Andrew Luck's surgery was done by a scope, and obviously he missed all of the previous season. Obviously he came back well this year. So we'll have to see how minor it was. Likely was rotator cuff related again. The report was it was a cleanup. But I understand his, uh, he had a March 2017 throwing shoulder surgery and indeed that was there would have been a cleanup with that rotator cuff surgery as well so i'd be curious to see what the reason is for the cleanup and what is bothering him hopefully uh, a very good sign is that he was seen or he posted a picture of him leaving the surgery center where he did not even have a sling on so hopefully that means that there's a very quick recovery, and this can be behind him. Uh, the team doctor did the surgery this time as well as in March 2017, so it doesn't seem like there was a bad result or hard feelings from Cam on what happened in the last surgery. So let's hope this uh, fixes his issue and we can have Cam back uh, for OTAs and, and all of next season, and we'll see. One thing I'd be curious about is, I, mean, I have usually seen Cam go to Super Bowls, and uh, if he comes to Atlanta and is without a sling and so forth, still, then I think it's a good sign for a quick recovery. Well, ladies and gentlemen, if you want a good sign, here it is. Hey guys, what's going on? It's Cam Newton here. And if you guys have been following me on my social media, you know that I'm excited to open up my Cigar Lounge this weekend, Fellowship. And I wanted to make this video to kind of give you guys some insight of what to expect. Pretty much, this is gonna be the ultimate culinary experience where Friday we'll have the tag, the art of smoking, where everything from foods to everything will be smoked. Uh, Saturday is Welcome to the 404, where we'll have Southern cuisine at its finest. And obviously for the big game on Sunday, we'll have the ultimate tailgating experience. Uh, I'm excited because each and every night, you can guarantee the beats and the music will be coming from no other than Beats by Dre. Live DJ will be on site, as well as it will be like a vibe like no other. I'm excited. I hope you guys are excited, too, and I'll see you at Fellowship. Tickets are available at fellowshipatl.com. So, Tony Dunn, there's nothing on that shoulder, man. He seems to be, you know, uh, very... Uh, what what's the word? He's using his hands to talk for him. Relaxed. Yeah, yeah. Relaxed. But he sure is. Uh, he sure left it on the on the counter for a second, didn't he? I didn't see it come up. <laughs> uh, but I didn't, I think I didn't look at it like that. It's, look, I'm excited, Cam. I'm usually just all, uh, stunned by his beauty when I see him. So like, it's harder to say, hey, <laughs> handsome, is he man. Faking it? 
That's right. But I thought when it comes to this is, look, people in the chat room, Josh from Mass was already onto this before we played the clip. Is that the sling? And, and could tell us how mobile or immobile he needs to is going to be. Dr. Chow says this is a an encouraging moment. And I think this is where we got to put the C3 squad on, folks, is get out there on Instagram, get out there on Twitter, and let's find a picture of Cam Newton at the Super Bowl with no sling. Let's get some evidence to verify the beliefs that we want to have. This is science, folks. We are looking for evidence that verifies our beliefs and Real nothing investigative else. Investigative journalism, right here, <laughs> is what we're talking about, you guys. So, yeah, though, I mean, listen, I think that Cam's such a cool customer. His hometown is Atlanta. I mean, I don't think that, um, I, I think that if there was a slang, you would have seen some kind of indication of it by now. Um, which, like I said, it's it's hopeful. Now, again, you don't want to spit too soon, and we're talking like, oh, thank God, he might finally be okay, you know, going forward. And then later on, in a few months, you're reading that he's having another procedure done. You just don't know. It's still too early to know for sure, and to have a real, um, a real clear indication of what was bothering him at all. So right now. It's the phantom, man. It's uh, we have no idea what happened or what went wrong, and um, we're not. I feel we're probably not gonna know until after OTAs and before training camp. That's my hunch. You're listening to the C3 Panthers podcast. You can follow our work on Twitter at cat underscore chronicles. You can be a part of the show using the cat calls line. The number is two five two 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 eight fifty ninety eight. Be sure to subscribe. Support us by, you know, participating in the chat, giving those thumbs up on Facebook and YouTube. All right, Cody, there's also been some, a little movement, uh, and I guess some background signing, some, some padding, some of the necessary movements that you got to make as an organization when you have 19 free agents, right? And we've talked about this and several times in the, over the last couple of weeks, the amount of free agents, not, it's not a number we haven't heard before. It's not an unprecedented number. But 19 is not a small number either. So there's going to be some movement and a transient roster. And we've been happy about that because there needs to be some youth. There needs to be some excitement. The Panthers announced on the heels of this, of it being announced that the Panthers will be going to England. Remember last week, everybody's excited about that, that they are going to sign F.A. Obata. Or extend him a deal for one year, as well as Chris Manhurts. Now, I've got to go track down the details of that. I just saw an extension or a deal reached yeah. with tight end Chris Manhurts. For me, I'm thinking this: FA Obata is 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 that that is some depth on a on a defensive line with maybe an upside that we had hoped that we need a little bit of. But at the very minimum, it's just a business move <laughs> in that you're going to England. Chris Manhurts, yeah. I think, is a budget signing. So your thoughts on these two um, initial moves and free agency? So one of them I love because I genuinely do feel that F.A. Obata has potential. And I think that you saw that as well, that there were a few games where when he was out there, he, he turned it on, you know? I, I was even saying, I mean – in the few games that I saw him really come alive, I liked him way better than Wes Horton 
has ever been for the team, you know, and Ron Rivera loves the West Horton for some unbeknownst reason. Um, so I, I did love that. And then, yes, there is the storyline um, being in London next year, playing over there and having London's own FA Obata. I love that. The Chris Manhurts, dude, that just leaves a sour taste in my mouth, man. Oh, dude, come dude, on. Dude, what no, do you got uh, against Martinez? What do you let's, got against Martinez? Listen, man, we drafted a, a very talented young player in the fourth round. And I think you would probably agree with me on this. Greg Olson is coming back for another year, whether you love that or hate that as a move. So why not lean on your younger talent and your Pro Bowl tight end? Why are you wasting already valuable free agent dollars on a subpar player that honestly could have been filled with a, a sixth-round pick or an even cheaper free agent signing? I just I, I don't understand it. And it was a two-year deal. It's not even a one-year, so it's a little bit more than the depth move. Have we put the number? Understand. Have you seen the number on the? Have you seen the number? I have the not contract? seen the number. Okay. All, all I have seen, seen, all I've seen is that it's a two-year deal, and I just don't understand it, man. You need. I, I don't understand why we're not um, falling back on our young talent. I feel we found a gem in Ian Thomas, and I don't know why we're not putting more of the load on him rather than. Chris Manhurts. I think this. All right, so I'm going to completely disagree with you on this. All is right. that I think that the idea here is that this is a budget signing. You extend the deal. It's probably going to look like somewhat like a a little bit better than a veteran minimum, but you give him a you know another half a million or uh, in that guaranteed money, but you spread it out. They'll make it probably so it's a really a one-year deal where you spread the guarantee over two if it's a two-year deal. What I like about this, uh, or what I think this may indicate is this, is that Olsen, like you said, is coming back. The Carolina Panthers uh, have a a good amount of money tied up in him. Olsen probably will not want to turn that money down. Maybe he's, he's at least said that he is willing to try to play again if the rehabilitation goes well. Thomas, like you said, is the guy there. I think that we're excited about, but with Manhurts, what I think this does is this just rounds out the tight end position. We say this is we're going to hopefully have Olsen. Thomas will be the guy who is the number two, if not the number one, if there's a problem with Olsen. What are you going to do here? What are you really going to do other than this? Are you going to go into free agency and get um, a guy that – I? you know, out there, I don't know, a Cameron Brait type or something like that and spend money? Or are you going to try to go into the next year and you don't want to put another dr- pick in the draft? I think this gives is a vote of confidence for Ian Thomas and at least a bet that Olsen is going to play. Well, and I, I mean, I guess I kind of look at it this way. I don't know how many tight ends a normal NFL franchise has on the roster, um, but even even still, man, there's undrafted free agents. I, I just I don't understand using money that we could be using on other more important positions of needs after you've already drafted a promising young player that a lot of teams were high on, and they were even kind. Of, uh, I've even read that teams were uh, kind of shocked that Ian Thomas fell that far. Um, I just don't understand it. All I found is two years. I looked it up. I have not seen a number value 
connected to that contract yet, so I do not know how much um, it will count against our cap. But it is what it is, man. I mean, agree man, to disagree. Hey, look, maybe I don't you're just it. looking at this it. in the wrong from the wrong light, Cody. Maybe you're just looking at this from the light of that this says that we're not uh, as excited about Ian Thomas. Maybe we should look at this as why would you go into free agency and find somebody worse than Greg Martinez? I mean, man. I, I hear you, but also, <laughs> you and I have talked extensively about how bad Ron Rivera is at evaluating the talent on the team. Unbelievably so, bad. Unbelievably bad. So it, it might be that Ian Thomas is already light years better than Manhurts, but maybe Rivera either doesn't see it or refuses to acknowledge that fact. So that's why I'm a little bit sour on on that idea. I don't feel that it's an indication of what Thomas can do, but I, I don't know. Someone mentioned in the chat it's a depth move, and yeah, that's it. I mean, I don't I don't hate the move, but at the same time, it's like let's let's focus on our talent that we drafted. Maybe though that it's at least telling us that we're going to be looking at other areas intensively when real free agency starts out. All right, you're listening to the C3 Panthers yeah. podcast. The number is 252-228-5098. It's a party. It's episode 52. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Seniors eat free agency tonight. We've got in just about five minutes, Jerry Foley, the giant insider, joining the C3 Panthers podcast to help us because Cody, we got we have started a segment this this week or last week. Get to based on your cat calls initially, in many ways, a branch, a cousin to that, and that is get to better know a potential free agent. We're kind of just looking at the outside. You know, we have the shadows of free agency. We don't have any light on what's actually going to happen. But I think this week what we wanted to do was talk about Landon Collins. That's what Jerry Foley will be joining us talking about. Let's go ahead and cue up Landon Collins and this discussion, Cody. Landon Collins, a name, uh, strong safety, rangy kind of guy, six foot, 222 pounds coming out of college, was a guy that Mel Mayock was remarkably high on back in the day. And that instead, the Panthers went, I believe it was that year with Shaq Thompson. And uh, now we have the Shaq Thompson $9 million a year deal. Tell us a bit, a little bit, because the safety position is unresolved for Carolina, and it has never been solved. Tell us a little bit about Landon Collins and how he could fit with the Carolina Panthers. So Landon Collins actually is a very versatile player. He does a little bit of everything. His actual position is actually a free safety. I thought it was a strong safety, but when you look at his tape, he is undoubtedly a rangy free safety, and he plays the football better than I feel uh, on par with just about any other free agency in the NFL right now. He's very instinctual, and when you have a player like Landon Collins, it allows your corners to be able to play the football, meaning they know that they have Landon Collins behind them, that it, 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 it shortens the load that they have to handle because they know that he's back there. He's fast, six foot, around 220 pounds from Alabama. He was a first-round draft pick from New York, and every single New York Giant fan that I know that I have 
they all rave about Landon and, and his potential and, and what he's able to do for the the Giants. And it's not unfair to say that Collins has been their best defensive player for a while now, and that's including Jason Pierre-Paul, who's now at Tampa. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, who's now at Tampa. Uh, Landon Collins has been stalwart for them, and he's been a leader in the locker room, and we know that that is something that the Carolina Panthers covet. Guys that know how to rally the troops and and be a, a field general. And now that we no longer have Thomas Davis on the field, you know, it's, it, it isn't going to hurt to have a player like Landon Collins on the Panthers at this point in time. He would be a, a, a pretty penny for us to be able to sign. But man, oh man, but I'd love to have Landon Collins. And I think everyone would, Tony. Right now it looks like since uh, is that it does not look at this point that I can see from overthecap.com and we're going to ask Jerry Foley about this, is that it does not look like – it says accrued fourth season. He was actually – he was technically a second-round draft pick. Yeah. 33. 33. So what that means is is that he will be entering free agency. I would say that my initial perspective on Landon Collins is that he's kind of a blue-chip safety at this point. Whether he – plays the strong or the free you you see that he is like you said a versatile piece now this is not this is complicated by a couple of factors is number one is the carolina panthers signed eric reed to a one-year deal this past year and he's played pretty well we're going to look at them in comparison a little later in the show but also our former gm who picked shaq thompson over landon collins is now the gm of the new york giants they are in a similar situation to the Carolina Panthers, sitting roughly at about $26, $27 million in cap space at this point. But the question in my mind, and that we're going to be asking Jerry, is do you believe that Dave Gettleman is going to allocate the money for a type of blue chip player that he even passed over? And, Cody, before we talk to Jerry, is this even a realistic thing at this point that the Carolina Panthers go and make a splash at this point, at this position? Because this is kind of splashy. It's not it, flashy. It's a little splashy. You know, I, you know, we did. Uh, we talked about Trey Flowers last Tuesday. And even though I feel that a defensive end position would be more important for us right now, this would definitely be the splashier move for the Panthers and something else that we have to factor into it is what are we going to do with Eric Reed? And that's someone that we're going to talk about later on. It's two guys that are very similar in what they do, although I do believe Eric fits better at the strong safety position, even though he has had success at the free safety. Whereas, in my opinion, Landon is just a true free safety, uh, and that's just a better fit, a better position for him. He would that him and Earl Thomas are going to command a lot of money this season, and I mean it would definitely uh, it would be a splash. But I I honestly feel he is a player that makes our defense better from day one, and I truly do believe that he is a very talented player, and um, everyone loves him in the locker room, and I would love to have that here in Carolina. 
All right, we're about to bring in Jerry Foley from the Giant Insider to help us get a little bit more insight and to see where Landon Collins fits into this situation. You're listening to the C3 Panthers podcast brought to you by CarolinaCatChronicles.com. We're part of the Overtime Network, and every Tuesday night we chop up the latest news and opinions from the fan perspective. Jerry from the Giant Insider, how are you doing this evening? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining us. I know Cody is, we are on different sides of the fence at times about Dave Gettleman. So we can't wait to hear your perspective on that. But our, my, uh, my name is Tony Dunn. Let me go ahead and tell you this or ask you this. Where do you see Landon Collins at this point? Free agency approaching uh, the New York Giants, from what I can see, have about $26 million in cap space. Where do you see them as a pro- him as a priority in free agency for the New York Giants? As far as guys they're going to retain, I, I think he's number one. Uh, I think he's their top priority. Whether they franchise him or sign him to like a four-year deal, $9 million per, $10 million per, whatever the market's going to dictate, he's really a cornerstone of their defense and a cornerstone of their team. He just turned 25 years old. Yeah, Gettleman didn't pick him, but it's one of the picks that Jerry Reese actually got right over the last six to seven years. So um, I, I think he's their top priority as far as free agents go. There's a lot of guys that are going to let go. Uh, but, you know, it, it's funny because the Giants are a team where they overturned about 30 guys this year. And they have a lot more free agents or a lot more, I guess, veterans that are you're getting paid a lot of money that they can get some cap relief. But, you know, the more you release, the more you have to backfill. So Collins is one of the guys that they, they want to build around. And, and, you know, the knock on Collins is his coverage more than his tackling. His tackling is phenomenal. And a lot of fans, a lot of in the media have said he should play in the box. And, you know, then, and this year his, his tackling fell off a bit. And if you watch the Carolina game, he missed a few tackles early on in that game. But when you watch the Tennessee Titans game at, at, at uh, MetLife, uh, Collins didn't play. And you saw how much that secondary struggled with him out of the game. So he's a young guy. The franchise looks at him very highly. Ownership looks at him highly. Uh, he, he is beloved there. So I, I'd be stunned if the Giants don't re-sign him. Well, Jerry, let me, let me pose this question to you. You know, a, a lot of times – and I said this, I want your opinion on this as well. Yeah. I seem to believe that uh, Collins has probably been the best player on defense that the Giants have had for a while now, including, you know, yeah. Jason Pierre-Paul. I mean, he has been a stalwart member of that defense, and he's been a fixture there for a while. You know, fans of the Panthers this season even said that Luke Kixley had a down season, and a lot of people kind of think that's because well, when you're not playing with too much, when you're the only star on, on the defense, it, it tends to struggle, and even your performance tends to go down. So how much do you think Landon Collins, uh, his performance drop-off against certain teams is a product of him kind of having to do a lot in that backfield, especially after David Gettleman shipped off Eli Apple to New Orleans. Yeah, I, I think he's out of position. I think the, the Giants have him listed at free safety. I think he's a natural strong safety. I think if you had a better safety next to him, you'd really see how well he played. Um, in, in 2016, in, in, in 15, the year he was drafted, he struggled. Then 2016, I thought he was a defensive player of the year candidate. I, I know they gave it to Khalil Mack, who was awesome. But I thought he had the best year of, of anyone on the defensive side in the NFL. And then yeah. in, in 2017, he sprained his ankle early on, and then he had, a, a, I think it was a forearm or wrist injury late in the season. This year he hurt his shoulder. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, you look at that defense, and it's 
it's depleted. It was one of the worst defenses in the league. So he he's back there trying to do way too much. And you have Jack Rag- Jack Rabbit Jenkins on the uh, at one corner. Then the other corner was B.W. Webb, right? Like like you said, they traded Eli Apple. Curtis yeah. Riley's another uh, the other safety that was playing with with Collins, and he's one of the worst in the league. He's a free agent, and and I think. Uh, if a team wants him, they're going to be able to get him. There's no way the Giants are re-signing him. So, you know, Landon Collins, he's never really been next to that, I would even say, average to above average uh, safety along uh, alongside of him. I mean, they, they drafted Darian Thompson a couple of years ago. He didn't pan out, and Riley was someone they put in this year. And, yeah, like you said, man, he, he's all they have really, uh, especially, in uh, you know, deep in the secondary outside of uh, Jenkins. So it's been the MVP of the defense for the few years now. Janoris Jenkins, he's he's thirty years he thirty years old at this point. He um, had a slow start last season, and then as well as I believe there was a compensatory pick in the third round that you guys got, yeah. and yep. I cannot remember his name. Beal. He's Sam, on Sam Beal. So right now is that it's Jenkins and really Beal is yep. the guy that I think they they seem to be banking on. I think what you're right now indicating is that even despite whether Landon Collins is kind of a blue chip player or a free agency kind of a guy that wants to, to see this out, the, the Giants can't really afford to lose that many pieces or and and have some question marks there uh, alongside of him. But at the same time, this is Dave Gettleman who also let go of Josh Norman who had a franchise tag on him and then drafted three rookie corners late and yeah. tried to piecemeal it together. He's never paid a safety at this point. So let's go to Dave Gettleman. A is a guy that when he was here, so charismatic, so yeah. fun and media friendly to the fans is that we embraced him. We were so happy while he was here. But then you look back at those drafts and problems. Where are you guys at? You know, Dave Gettleman had some health problems. Where are you sitting? Where's Dave Gettleman sitting here? going into his second year as GM for the New York Giants? You know, when the last regime was so bad, I mean, this was kind of a layup for Gettleman, right? So Jerry Reese and Mark Ross drove the Giants into the ground by really just making the the draft a a mockery for about six or seven years where they didn't build anything in the trenches. It was all skill position players, reaches like the Montre Moore. Uh, I mean, I could go on and on with all the draft picks over the, the years that haven't panned out that were good athletes, but really weren't good football players. So when Gettleman comes in, it's like he's the savior by default. And he made some weird moves in free agency, man. He brought in Jonathan Stewart, and, and that was more of a locker room kind of presence <laughs> to, to, try, uh, yeah. you know, to, to try and teach Saquon Barkley how to be a professional, but he really didn't have anything left. He brought in Patrick Omame from Jacksonville, who uh, you know made Eric Flowers look like uh, Anthony Munoz, for God's sake. So, I mean, he made some weird free agency moves, but – but the draft he had was, I thought, phenomenal. He had Saquon. He drafted Saquon Barkley, number two. Will Hernandez, who's turning into a very good guard. B.J. Hill, Lorenzo Carter. You know, there was a lot of guys that that you know. I, I give him an A.A. minus for his first draft. And then in, in free agency, he also ended up bringing in like guys like Mike Thomas, who who did pan out, and and Jamon Brown towards the end of the season. So the jury's still out. But because of how bad Ross and and, and Reese were. Um, I think most Giant fans like Gettleman. I think the proof's going to be what does he do this year to kind of get this team to nine and seven and at least contending for the playoffs. Or you know, even eight and eight's not going to cut it. Giant fans are growing tired of, of just you know trying to improve. So you know, three and three to five and eleven, he's going to have to make a jump this year for for Giant fans to to truly embrace him. But 
you know, so far, I think most fans give him a B minus uh, as as GM when you take into account free agency and the draft. And and you kind of alluded to it too, you know, after the the mess of the roster uh, that he had to work with, and then after one year, there's kind of only so much they can do. Um, and it does seem like Saquon Barkley was a home run pick um, as a something of a draft junkie myself. Uh, I know just about every player that was drafted by Dave for the Giants last year. I also think that it was a, a a nice draft for Dave. You know, one of the things, Panther fans are up and down on Dave, you know, because he had a lot of bad picks for us. And then he also had some, some real gems that he added to the team. But one of the things I always miss about Dave Gettleman is whenever you listen to a press conference of his, you actually felt that he was being honest with you and he had something to say, that he had a methodology for building a football team that kind of got people to drink the Kool-Aid, so to say, you know? How yeah. confident are you right now in Gettleman moving forward? And do you think Giants fans are are happy with him as the general manager overall? I think for the most part they are. Like I said, he, he did some weird things early on that, um, you know, giant fans still talk about, especially on Twitter. Well, he did have cancer at that point, and right, I mean, right, no, right. like he was getting sick, and not that—that's an excuse for the. Yeah, the no, things. that's fair, and that's fair. <laughs> like it was but, a complicated but, beginning. Yeah, yeah, and and he overturned. Like I said, I think it was thirty-three guys by opening day from last year. I mean, that just shows you how bad the roster He's a was. Hatchet, so, man. Yeah, yeah, and he should have been because they deserved it. I mean, there were guys on this team that had, you know, Carl Banks is the color a- a- analyst for uh, uh, the Giants, and he says these guys were on scholarship, and he's right. There were too many guys there for too long that, you know, didn't really have to perform. So Giant fans like that aspect of it. I think going forward the big question is going to be, and the, they're in a unique situation because do they or don't they, right, at quarterback? Does, does, does Gettleman like enough – does Gettleman like any of these guys enough? Haskins, Murray – uh, Daniel Jones, Greer, to take either in the first round and the second round or to trade up in the first round if he feels like he has to do that? Or does he roll the dice with Manning one more year and try to build the right side of that line and protect him and maybe add a, a Funchess type? You know, the Giants are, are lacking a big over-the-middle receiver. They have Ingram, but they, you know, the, the receivers are Odell, Shepard. They're all on the smaller side. So I think this year is going to be um, the proof will be in the pudding with with Dave Gettleman. But I I think Giant fans realize how bad the, the roster was, so they're going to give him a kind of a one-year grace period. But the honeymoon is over. But he is engaging, right? I mean, he's engaging with the media. Oh, he's he, wonderful. He's yeah, wonderful. He he's like so he, charismatic. You feel like he's talking to you, right? I mean, yeah. he, and, he, and he gets the whole – you know, he had a history with the Giants, so he gets the whole um, – like the – you know, lack of a better word, the history and, and the, the aura of – of the Giants fan and, and, and what that means to them. So uh, he, he wants to build the, the line and the, and the defensive line and bring back that, that, you know, the defenses of the past for the Giants that, that everyone's kind of longing for. And, you know, like I said, man, the, the, the skill positions were drafted far too often under Jerry Reese. So he had his work cut out for him. The line was one of the worst. There was no pass rush. So uh, going forward, um, you know, this draft Giants have a lot of draft picks and, uh, a lot of it's going to be used in the trenches. So, and you know, well, you guys started. can definitely have uh, Devin Funches because he's a free agent, <laughs> and the Panthers uh, right now look like they are done with him. One of the things, though, is that 
we're, we're from I'm from Eastern North Carolina. My mom is actually from Queens, but I was yeah. born here in the South. So I'm a Southerner. We're you know, we're attached to this team. There is a Dave Gettleman comes in here in 2013 after Jerry Richardson fires Marty Herney in this. He's just like, well, it's time to move on. He brings in David Gettleman to be that the axe man, the hatchet man in a when we were in salary cap hell at this moment. There's a lot of things that are going into the team at that time. He comes in here. He cuts. He makes a lot of tough decisions. He's able to bring in a lot of kind of piecemeal guys. At the same time, there was a kind of res- reservation about the Yankee coming to the South, sure. the carpetbagger, right? At this moment, people were expecting him to be this kind of slick guy. And he was so abrasively honest yeah. that he ingratiated himself with the fans that we liked him so much at that point. But when you look at that draft, he, I mean, like, how can you miss? When you got Saquon Barkley and and Hernandez, he did some of those tough things for Carolina, but at the same time, he had some uh some in retrospect, some things that he was learning. It yeah. looks like now he's at his next level of the career. So with all of that in in perspective, the kind of my last question, I know Cody's got one more, and that is where do you, what do you think he should do and what do you expect him to do at that quarterback position? It's a tough one, man, Um, because there's some veterans you can grab. I I think they should. I I think what he has to do is look at all the the guys coming out, find the guy he likes the best that he thinks fits the Giants, fits Pat Shermer, and you consult Pat Shermer too, right? He's the quote-unquote quarterback whisperer. So, I mean, Manning's numbers were good despite, you know, the Giants' record. I think you got to work with Shermer and say, which one do you want, and then go get him. And whether that means staying Pat at six uh, or moving up. They, they have to move on from Eli Manning. He's 38 years old. Whether you and do he's it, awful. It, well, I, I mean, the numbers were okay, but a lot of it was late in games, right? Like he threw for 4,200 yards. His completion percentage was high, and you gave, but you gave him the premier weapon at, at running back, basically, I think. Um, you know, the, the offensive line early on was bad, but you have to move on. It, it's, it's, it's time, right? So whether it's midseason next year, whether it's the first game, or, you know, towards the end, right, towards the end of next year, you have to start – bringing in someone new. So his job, I think his job number one is going to be bringing in the next quarterback, whether he thinks, like I said, it's Haskins, Murray, Daniel Jones, whoever it is, you, you got to get him in here. Do, do you have an affinity towards any one of the quarterbacks? In oh, his yeah. Draft? Yeah. I, I unapologetically like uh, Haskins. Jersey oh, boy, Jersey boy wants to play for the giants. Um, watched a few things of him on YouTube where he's breaking down defenses, very bright kids, strong arm, not, not crazy mobile, but pocket mobile, which is what Eli used to be. It's all I want. I just want a guy who can move around in the pocket. So if I had to choose any of them, I like Haskins the best. And, you know, he's not afraid of contact, too. Right. Um, I, I wrote a, a, a scouting report for drafttech.com, shameless plug, um, <laughs> about about Dwayne Haskins. And I, I, I think that he is absolutely awesome. I mean, if you look at, at the numbers uh, that he was able to put up for Ohio State, he legitimately has one of the cleanest deep ball passes I've seen of a quarterback coming out in such a long time. He's not afraid of pressure. And the thing that's rare about Dwayne, he'll go through his progressions on a level that you see veterans do. Yeah. He will go from the X, the Y, the Z, and then back, and then just launch a missile 
Um, I, I personally, if I'm Dave Gettleman, I'm doing whatever I have to do to get Dwayne Haskins in a Giants outfit. Yeah, I don't care if they trade up, but they trade a first-round pick next year if they do something like they did for Eli to get him. Uh, I like him a lot. He's he's the guy I would want. Like you said, man, you, you watch uh, you watch him watching film, and he breaks it down to the level of like a you, you would think he's Peyton Manning. And he played the he played the best in the biggest games. You know, he played great in the Rose Bowl. Yeah. He played great against Michigan. So that's what you want in your quarterback. You want a guy who rises to the occasion. And like I said, man, uh, he there's something to being local and and wanting to to play for the Giants. He's even said it. So that's yeah. the guy I would go get if I'm Gettleman. Absolutely. All right, Jerry. Thank you so much, Jerry Foley. Uh, Jerry, tell them where they can find your work uh, going forward. Sure. Twitter account is at Giant Insider. And then we have a, a newspaper, www.thegiantinsider.com. Or you can go to magster.com for a digital subscription. That's M-A-G-Z-T-E-R.com. Jerry, thanks a ton for joining us, especially on this short notice. Uh, we're going to catch up with you again as we go forward because we'll be watching Dave Gettleman. That's something <laughs> we're curious about. We're curious about those Yankees. Good stuff, guys. Thanks, man. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot, Cody. That's uh, Jerry Foley, the giant insider, um, giving us some insight, some insider insight into Landon Collins as a potential free agent. Sounds like it's going to be taking a, it's going to take a lot to pry him away from their scheme going forward. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. But we're looking at the out, you know, we're really looking at shadows of free agency at this point. We're trying to gauge, Cody, at, you know, where where do you where do you see the Panthers going? Or where could this be? Who are some of the guys that are definitely hit free agency and could be real decision, you know, a decision point and that leads us to this, is that while we were talking about Landon Collins, we really have been thinking about Eric Reed. And yeah. what what we need to ask is, how do you uh, compare Eric Reed to the field and Landon Collins being at the top of that field? You know, I personally believe that for not having OTAs and for not having – um, a full training camp that Eric came in and he did a lot of good work for us. Um, you know, he wasn't perfect, but damn, no one on our team was this year. Uh, I, I mean, even our best players had ups and downs. He was and, pretty and darn good. He, he was, was good. He was he good was. after being a year off of football. He played well. On and, short notice. And and after, I mean, you see, see him uh, fist bumping Luke right there. It seems that as time went on, he really started to gel with the team and became a part of our defensive unit, and that's important. Um, you know, I, I do like the versatility. He may not be the best free safety in the world, but he has the ability to He's play. He's another guy that's a strong. Both of well, these guys are guys that are probably just better suited to play strong safety and have a really good guy beside him, and how dominant would that be? Sure, but even if he's not the best at the free safety position, even knowing that he has the ability to play there, it allows you some versatility. So if you draft an Eric Reed, you know that you know in a pinch you have the ability to put him wherever you need to put him on the field. And I think that's important for us. I mean, we just showed a clip of him uh, making an in-space tackle on Alvin Kamara and that's not something a lot of guys are, are able to do, you know. But Eric Reed does it well. 
and does it effectively. I personally, um, I want to sign Eric, man. I, I, I want to let him have another full year to be able to be a part of what we're doing and for him to be able to showcase the best of his talents because I genuinely don't feel that we've seen the best of him yet. Yeah, I'm really happy. Man, you got to be, I think, pleased at the very least at what Eric Reed was able to come in and do for the team. He positively contributed at a position um, that the Panthers have not had an answer or a long-term answer, have always tried to kind of plug the holes on the ship with. If you think of Roman Harper, a plug. Right. Mike Mentor, a plug. Trying to make sure that the bones of the ship with that defensive, with those linebackers, and in past years, that defensive front, that was the real strength in the bones of the ship. But now, here's the thing, is that Eric Reed is a big-ass boy. He looks like a yeah. bionic man. He looks like this. Is He looks like one of those guys that really was a Shaq Thompson-type player five or six years ago. It's like, gosh, you are a safety athleticism, but damn, you got a linebacker. You're big. Big boy, right? And he's a he's a hard hitter. What I like about Eric Reed at this point is he comes in. You're talking about him being a plug into the ship at that point. We're leaking water as um, Denoris Cersei goes down because of cu- concussion. He's had all of this firestorm around him that kept him out of the game, and he was an adequate plug. Now, though, I think if you signed him, he could be a real plank in that ship. Not just a Band-Aid or a plug or a patch, but somebody who is Pro Bowl caliber, which may come at a slightly discounted price because you did not see a as insanely great season from him. And uh, he also, the Panthers were the team that signed him. Yeah. So I think that this is actually kind of a safe move to make for the Carolina Panthers. I don't think Eric Reed has done enough either to command some absurd amount of money. I said, Mike, did I say Mike mentor? I meant Mike Mitchell. Thank you, Ken. And, you know, uh, Eric even came out and said that there were other teams that offered him a contract, but the Panthers offered him more. So we showed him at one point that, you know, we wanted his talents and we wanted it here and we were willing to put our money where our mouth was in order to be able to prove it. Um, I think you're right. I don't think he's going to command the the high-dollar Earl Thomas, Landon Collins kind of money. Yeah, um, Landon I, Collins would be more expensive, correct? Yeah, he would definitely be more expensive. I think so. Um, I, I think that Landon Collins Looking is, for maybe a year or two more in the deal, maybe. Yeah, and listen, I'm not mad if we sign Eric for two or three years. I mean, it doesn't have to be a five-year. It'd be nice, you know, but it doesn't have to be a long-term deal. I think Eric fits us perfect. And if we can find someone to put next to him, I mean, that's a that's I mean, the safety position is done. We don't have to focus that uh, with with uh, the draft coming up in April and we can fill more pressing holes and needs that are on the team right now. Um, I really think that Eric is going to end up being a Panther. I'm very confident that he will play for us next year. Lee Trotter on YouTube says this. I would not overpay for Reed because no one else is going to sign him because of the kneeling now. 
Yeah, that's not this a bad is, what, is I actually think this. This is continues to go into why I think Eric Reed would be a great signing. And not because I think he is going to be, we're going to get a very fair price for him. And the reason being is this. First, we have a little history with him because we signed him last year, right? So there is a relationship already somewhat established. Ron Rivera has echoed over and over how he has been a positive contributor to the defense, how he has believed he would like to have him back. At the same time, the kneeling stuff or whatever it is has completely blown over. It was a non-story after the first couple of weeks. And if anything, the story shifted from the kneeling to him being tested every week after games. So here's where I think where it may be now you have a relationship established. You have a team that's willing to enter into negotiations fairly with you and you fairly with them. And then the last component is that if he went to another franchise, Cody, he would actually have to relive the kneeling and all of that. Now he can just, it's in the past almost. That was something in that last season. If anything, it's about the P test. And now going forward, he doesn't have to re-go through that if he went to another organization. I think there's some forces, like you said, that are attracting him, that are push, pulling him to Carolina, as well as pushing Carolina to maybe give him a two- or three-year deal like you're saying. Yeah, and a lot of the you know the reasons that you just mentioned are why I am confident that he will be a Panther next season. We have the familiarity. He's been in our locker room. He's been around our players. The owner is comfortable uh, with all the press that came along with Eric Reed and the Nila for the anthem, which, by the way, I didn't even find there was even much of. Like, I mean, yeah, there was a few articles on Twitter or whatever, but I never felt like there was some overblown giant ordeal about uh, Eric Reed kneeling and the you know Carolina fans making a big deal out of it. So no, it was like two seconds. Yeah. It blew over. It actually showed exactly why the NFL handled everything poorly. Yes. The NFL made all of this a big issue. They should have let it blow over. It yeah. blew over in Carolina. No need to go and kick up, pick up the rug and see what dirt's underneath it in another town. Right. And, you know, I feel as though the fact that we were able to pick him up and that we were able to sign him when, frankly, a bunch of teams weren't even willing to do so. I kind of hope that puts us out in front, and I think it does. And as I said, I do believe that Eric Reed uh, will probably want to stay here next year, I'm hoping, and I'm hoping that we make that happen. All right, so we want to hear your thoughts. You can call into the Cat Calls line. The number is 252-228-5098. Landon Collins, Eric Reed, potential free agent decisions for the Carolina Panthers moving forward. And right now we are kind of on the outside looking. We're on the distant outskirts of free agency and even more distant in the draft. But we've got we got on the trail, Cody. The draft is one of those things is that every moment you think it's so far away. And then catch a whiff of something that is exciting and interesting. And anything is more interesting than the Pro Bowl. Let's talk about the the Senior Bowl. Cody, you're the draft guy. Tell us what went down in, I believe it was Mobile, Alabama. 
Yeah, Mobile, Alabama, the Reese's Senior Bowl. It's something that I, as a draft nerd, I look forward to every year. Because, I mean, look, Baker Mayfield played there. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, Carson Wentz, Dak Prescott. I mean, you're talking about legitimate first-round prospects playing the Senior Bowl. So I love it, man, because when, especially when you're looking at the Panthers and you know that we need defensive line help, we need offensive line help. I mean, you're looking at these players to be able to come in and be able to help us do just that and be dominant in the trenches again. So today, I have chosen to highlight a few different players that I feel are going to help us out right now and and who might be some some good picks for us, uh, maybe even in the second, third, potentially even some first-round picks that we have here, man. So are you ready, Tony? Yeah, I want to know what you saw. Some of the guys that you saw were rising and falling. Some of the standouts. And then my question to you at the end of all of this will be, do these clips alone give us any added information or are they just fodder for us to talk about? All right. So, well, then let's just jump into it, man. The the first player that we're going to be looking at is six foot six, 275 pound. Defensive end out of Texas, Charles O'Menahue in orange right there on the edge. Just blows mm. up the line of scrimmage into the backfield. He's a dominant defensive end, and he had a standout senior bowl and senior bowl practices. Uh, I mean, he's he brutal at the point of attack, and everyone was raving about my man. This is a bull rush from practices that happened on Tuesday. Just bowled oh, over. Bowled Tell me over. this man's name again. Uh, Charles O'Menahue. He is a defensive end out of Texas, and he's a bad man. It's, and, it's something. It's mad when it's like slightly ero- erotic when a man just bowls <laughs> over. Man, you're like, whoa. Ooh, oh, my. And, <laughs> and, 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 and the player that he did that to is a Bo, I'm, I know I'm going to mess up the name, Benchweiler, uh, who is a – he caught him sleeping, player. though, man. Boy, he yeah, just was yeah, all on his heels. Play it one more time. I want to see it again. Play it one more time. Oh, <laughs> God. The Poor fella. definitely favor the defensive line over the offensive line just because of the nature of the position. But, yeah, because they don't got to yeah, worry man. about what's going to happen in the play. Yeah, but look, he, he, he definitely showed up. <laughs> He definitely plays well. So now we're going to move to the offensive line and show you the left tackle out of USC, Southern California, Chuma Edoga, six foot five, 200, uh, my bad, 315 pounds. Look at the left tackle on this play. Boom. Puts the defensive end. And that was Charles Omenahu, by the way. Uh, that he was going up against, puts him on the ground. He's mobile for a big big man. He's powerful, and he's agile, and he's dominant at the point of attack. And listen, man, I'm tired of having to worry about Cam Newton's blind side. The man is, is powerful. Now, offensive line, you have to know what you're looking at. It's not the most fun tape to watch, but it's important. And um, it, it's a it's something that that we need to have more of. Where do you see a guy like this going in the draft? 
in my opinion, somewhere. It's a far, I know it's far out, is but but these are guys that are we're interested in. I mean, are we all picking all number one type draft pick players at this point, or are, the, are no. these guys that are uh, legitimate maybe targets later in mid rounds? I've made it a point to highlight some players that I believe will be available anywhere between the the third and the fifth round, and these players uh, are going to try and uh, show show themselves off well at the combine coming up, and uh, they're going to try and, and um, uh, improve their draft stock. And these are players that are in play for us. I also want to pinpoint um, Nate Davis, the left guard on this play, played uh, in the gold helmet. It's from UNC Charlotte. Oh, yeah, looking yeah, good. from right UNC there. Charlotte, man, Queen City. And that would be another player uh, that had a very good practice. Um, and he's another player to look out for. Um, but look, we all have more fun watching defense, so let's watch another defensive player. This is Jonathan Ledbetter out of Georgia. He's a defensive end, and, well, uh, come on, I'll just show you. Snatch, rip, boom, into the backfield. Oh, oh look at that. Three moves in there. There was three moves. Snatch, right? rip, pressure into the quarterback's face. Jonathan Ledbetter is a powerful defensive end. He was a great player for Georgia. And this is another guy who did well over the course of seven days. Um, Showed some moves to be able to win. Had a counter swipe move. Just absolute dominant at the line of attack. Uh, He's able to throw off defenders. The videos don't play too well, but... Yeah, um, that's another player that did a lot for Georgia. I mean, they're, they're going to... 280 pounds already. The question is, where does a player like that go? You wonder, uh, according to redandblack.com, let's see what they have to say about old Jonathan Ledbetter. 6'4", 265. This was when maybe he was coming in. This is from two, August 2014. He was 6'4". 265 when it, three years ago, four years ago, Ledbetter is growing into a big man's body. That's what I would say. Cody, where is a guy like this on people's radar at this point? You know, uh, he's not a day one prospect just because the numbers weren't there for him. But, you know, the I honestly believe he will fit better with us. If we stay at the 4-3 defense, I like him as a hand in the dirt defensive end. That I feel that's what he's made to do. Um, he's a powerful guy, long, and, and he has the moves to back it up. You saw that snatch and rip, and he's fast with it. He's grabbing the cloth of the, of the jersey of the opposing guard and tackles, and he's just a powerful man. And players like that have so much upside that yeah, they're you're you're talking about players that that I mean they make you better day one, and the, the Panthers are in desperate need of a player just like that. Any baggage with any of these guys? Um, that I don't know. Um, none of them have uh, anything that has popped up on my radar as of yet. But um, no, I mean not, nothing that I've un- uncovered yet. I do want to. Show, uh, we have two more players that we need to get through. Uh, one of them is another offensive tackle, Caleb McGarry out of Washington. And the the player you're about to see him face off with 
is Zach Allen out of Boston College. He's a oh, I would, this is a guy I wanted to ask you about, Zach Allen. So I'm interested in seeing someone go against him. Well, I'll let you look. Just puts him in the dirt. Caleb, I'll, I'll play that play that in, uh, again for you. Caleb is a, uh, the right tackle on the play and put Zach Allen down. And Zach Allen is another player that people were expecting a lot out of and did not have a good week down in Mobile. Um, really? Yeah, not at all. I mean, he was on uh, Bucky Brooks' Move the Sticks podcast. I got to hear a little bit from him. Yeah. Very, very well-spoken individual who knows how to speak about football very well. You're hearing about some of the things that he thinks he does well. He talks about power being uh, the big part of his game. I went and just looked at his YouTube highlights, and immediately he's a big boy that likes to win on that initial the, that punch, it seems like. In that video, you just showed Cody was a bigger boy who could handle it. Yeah, Caleb is six foot eight. Three hundred and twenty five no pounds. Yeah, it's hard to outmuscle. Try that to win team. power with that, baby. Yeah, yeah, you're not you're not doing it. That's Caleb, a big I didn't even know any of this. Look at that. It looked choreographed. Yeah, and uh, another thing about Zach Allen before we play this other Caleb clip is that he really doesn't have a position. He's uh, too large, in my opinion, to play defensive end but not big enough for defensive tackle. and He's almost not fast enough to be defensive end. He's more of a run stuffer. Quick. Yeah. He's more more of a run stuffer. He's more of a run stuffer than anything else, so that's why I'm not comfortable um, using anything more than a third-round pick on Zach Allen. Other teams are going to enjoy the upside of him potentially, but I'm just – I don't know. As of right now, I'm just I'm not too high on him. Might be a player that dro- that drops though, and you get a value pick. You hear a lot of guys uh, in the third and fourth round, you know. I mean, co- becoming something later on. So it doesn't mean they're bad. Just means that you're unsure of how uh, certain they are. Yeah, we have one more of this monster, Caleb. <laughs> I mean it. it it speaks for itself. I mean, look oh at this. Oh God, he is so big. Just is he gonna play? T- he ain't gonna play tackle in the NFL, is he? Yes, he is. Hell, yes, he is. Uh, I I don't want him anywhere else. Tell me I this guy's name again. Caleb McGarry out of Washington State. Or, Y'all write me. it down. Oh, Caleb McGarry, Washington State. We gotta watch this big old boy. Washington, rather. There's Washington State and then there's Washington. And yeah, um, you know, another thing to think of is I like Moulton kind of at, at the right side or the left side. And I feel this is another player that has potential on, on both sides of the football, uh, or on both sides of the, of the line, uh, left and right. So we have one more player. And people who follow this might have um, heard the name is Montez Sweat. Defensive end out of Mississippi State. And my Lord. Put the boom on it. Montez Sweat has the longest measured arm length out of any player 
since the combine started over nine years. What has a seven seven foot wingspan and is absolutely <laughs> powerful. Dude, his bend isn't the best, but the the power that he has at the point of attack. I mean, come on, that's unreal. Another thing that a defensive end has to be able to do is set the edge. You're not allowed to run the football uh, on your defensive ends. So you want a man that does this. That's him on the right. And just boom, right on the running back, doesn't doesn't let him move. Um, Play that one more time. I need to see that again. You know, I feel like this is a player, Cody, that people uh, were up and down on. Like, they want to be like he's the number one prospect, but then they want to find – or not number one. I don't know what the rankings are, but they wanted to find something wrong with him. To me, it looks like one of these is that, like, is that we can over uh, pick, nitpick on these moments. He looks like a big, badass football player to me. That looks like he can handle himself. He looks quick enough he looks sound enough i don't see the negatives other than the ones that we kind of need to manufacture to make ourselves ourselves feel better yeah and you know the the thing with montez is that he he isn't he weighed in at 252 pounds so all right there we go we need him a little heavier yeah we need him a little heavier but he's six foot six so he has the the frame to be able to put on more mass um, he's a very physical player. Like I said, his bend for a defensive end isn't the best. But there's so many other things that he does well. Out of all the players that I've shown you, uh, right now Montez Sweat has the most first-round buzz out of all the players I've shown you. Um, I've seen him um, you know, in the top 20, sometimes even the top 10, depending on who's picking Um so Montez Sweat is a player that would be available for us to pick. Uh, in, in my mind, uh, I think he'll be sitting there for us. So he's definitely a player that the Panthers are going to have their eyes on. P. Thomas in the YouTube chat has a couple of good comments. He says, Farrell has all the tools, the tools. And second, Sweat, Sweet, Sweat. What did you say his name? I mean, I just want to call him Sweet, like Sweet Tea, Sweat Tea. Sweat tea. Sweat tea is a tweener, he said. Pete Thomas says, so the question uh, going back is, there's this news about the 3-4 defensive change, guys that um, making into the system that is. Farrell being the blue chip guy, it sounds like everybody's excited about him. Yeah. How do you see uh, Sweat in in the context of being a tweener? And does that uh, make you lean another either way on what he is meant to do in the long term as a defensive player in the NFL? I disagree with Pete Thomas a little bit. I think the reason why you might say that he's a tweener, uh, I mean, well, I mean, listen, he doesn't weigh enough, but it hasn't hampered him yet in college. Um, I've looked at a lot of his film. Uh, he doesn't get hung up a lot, so it's not as if um, he's constantly being outmuscled by opposing offensive tackles. And listen, I want to make this clear. He will not be an outside linebacker in the NFL. He does not have the the mobility to do that. He is a hand in the dirt player. That's where he's going to make okay. his money. So he is a so him being physical is how he is going to continue to be successful. He is a um, 
has the potential to be a, a powerful run stuffer. And if you add some more moves to him, uh, I honestly think he might be a dominant pass rushing defensive end. So I, I, I'm high on him. I'm higher on him now than I was. And I wasn't very high on him before. So he's definitely a player to look out for. Uh, some buzz around Kelvin Harmon out of NC State, wide receiver, I saw on Twitter. I don't follow it a ton. Any thoughts on him? Uh, looks like he has a real NFL body, six foot three, two 215 pounds, I guess. A lot of body control uh, from some of the, the things that people have been posting. Any thoughts on him uh, coming out after this week or weekend or whatever you call it? Kelvin Harmon was easily the best receiver uh, for NC State. Um, he isn't as fast as I would want um, uh, a receiver for us to be, but uh, he has short hands. And, um, you know, I, I kind of feel as though he would be a better Devin Funches. There are some players that I like better at the wide receiver position, but um, if, if Kelvin Harmon is there, um, I believe he's around six foot one. If Harmon is there, I'm not, I'm not mad at that as a, as a second or, or even a third round pick, I do feel a lot of the receivers are going to fall in this draft just because there's so many defensive talents coming out at defensive tackle and defensive end. Um, there's just a lot of them. You might not see a safety in the first round this year. So that's beneficial for us because if we're high on one, then that means in the later rounds, if they're sitting there and we're not going to resign Devin Funches. Well, hey, why not pick them up? All right. Uh, thanks, Cody, for the updates from the Senior Bowl. Will be uh, It kind of shows yeah, you we're already uh, hot on the trail. We're hungry for any news. Uh, you'll, you'll be seeing us posting things about meetings with the Carolina Panthers. Follow it. Some, there's, some, there's some people on Twitter that watch this remarkably, and they know, like, if your cousin has been in the same city, as a defensive coach for the Carolina Panthers. So anytime we see that, uh, I believe it's Gene Farrell that does this the best, is that we're going to be retweeting all of that, trying to update you on the podcast of what it looks like for the Carolina Panthers, not only for free agency, but also the drafts, because we're hungry. We're hungry for Panther news, and who gives a crap about the Patriots and the Super Bowl again? You're listening to the C3 Panthers podcast. The number is 252 22850 98, where we chop up every week the latest Panthers news and opinions. Cody, we're going to go ahead and get into the cat calls and see what uh, – I think we only got so one tonight. Cat calling? Yeah, it's pretty sh- – you shouldn't do that to somebody. And how did that make you feel? Uh, very uncomfortable. So how do you think cat calling makes the person feel? It feels good, like – Get to the call, Tony. Hey, everybody. This is G. Cavassier. What's up, G? It's been a while. Hey, the Super Bowl is this Sunday. Go Rams. I'm going to say go Rams because <laughs> I can't right. stand the Patriots. Amen. Um, I'm going to leave it quick and simple tonight, fellas. I just need a quick answer because I have a question. Uh, do you see us going off- offense? 
in the first round or defense. Now, we all know our GM, he usually doesn't miss when it comes to them first rounders. Man. Amen to that. He doesn't. He usually gets that key on. You know, so do you see us getting like a offensive lineman, you know, or a wide receiver or a running back, which I really don't see a running back going into top 16 this year, is my opinion. Or do you see us going defense like a linebacker or, a, you know, a defensive tackle like we need another one or defensive end or safety or, you know. So offense or defense within the first round for the Carolina Panthers, I'll talk to y'all later. Cody, I want you to take this. So if I'm – if if I have my way, in my mind, I, I want offensive line. And it's something that I've said, I've said numerous times. Is it the sexiest pick? No. Are we old at the edge rusher position? Yes. But, I mean, this whole Cam Newton saga and the shoulder, if it has not shown you that this Panthers franchise lives and dies by number one and protecting him – then I don't know what else to tell you. All the best football teams, they put offensive linemen around their quarterback. They protect their assets. Cam Newton is by far the best asset that we have on the team right now. Now, the reason why I'm, I'm hesitant to jump on what we must do in the first round is because we have free agency still to come. And you never know if we might end up signing a guard or maybe trade flowers. Uh, at the defensive end position, that's someone that we've proved you before. Um, depending on what we do, um, I, that depends on, on how we draft. or That's going to determine how we draft. If I have my way, um, I, I say it has to be either an offensive tackle or a defensive end. I, I want to build the trenches to be better for the Panthers, as I feel that was genuinely the 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 position of concern this past year. All right, I lied. There's another call there. Thanks, G. Cavassier, for that. Let's see what else you guys Wait, got on the cat call. Hold on, hold on, man. Hold on. I want to know what Tony Dunn has to say about this one. If you had your pick as of right now, I know it's still early, but in your mind, do you want what, what 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 would be your dream pick of position in the draft? What are we picking at? Sixteen again? Yeah, sixteen. I'd say defensive end. Defensive end. I think we would feel it a little bit quicker if it was like a lock, like a uh, like if it worked immediately. Right. Right. You know, what I mean, imagine if you just got it right. If you just got it right, and you got the guy, and he came in and he contributed, and it was all of a sudden defensive player of the year candidate. I think that we would feel that a lot quick, more quickly, or at least we would see that on the field and translate into maybe a different the Panthers having a game or two difference. I think that the offensive tackle is a little bit longer of a vision. I don't know. And then here, I think the question then immediately I go come to my mind is this is, is do you try to uh, go with uh, Daryl Williams, who yeah. I saw as one, I mean, and I don't know if it was NFL.com or ES, I think it was ESPN. They listed him as a top 25 free agent this year. Yeah. Coming off an injury. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe is that in my ideal world is that I want Moten to be a successful left tackle. I want Daryl Williams to be able to 
come back and show that he is uh, what a lot of people saw from pro football focus stats he was that year. And then we get a defensive end. I don't know how possible that is, to be honest, though. Well, That's where I'm at. Yeah. I don't know. I no, don't know. And, and you're right. And listen, uh, the, the guys that I showed you, even that Caleb McGarry dude that, that you've seen, I haven't seen him put in the first round at all. So you know, there are options. We're going to have seven picks in the draft. There are going to be options all throughout the draft. And if you hit on them. You know what I would rather for us to do, Cody, then, is for us to go after whoever we thought in the first and then trade up and get real high in the second and get the other guy we wanted or the back end of the – instead of just trying to get seven picks that land – Let's get three picks we know are going to make a difference and two and, and a pick we hope makes a difference. And who cares about those late round picks? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's tough. You know, I, I'm, I'm saying pick the, the offensive line and the defensive line first round. But honestly, some of my favorite picks in the first round, they're not even linemen. I would absolutely love Devin White, the linebacker out of LSU. Man, put him next to Luke. No one is going to run the football on us ever again, man. I'm telling you. You know what a cool thing, though, is about this year is that while we're going to fixate on all these players, we're going to talk about all the needs and what you have to do in the ideal situations. But I just want to remind that um, Marty Herney also picked Luke Keekley in a year that we thought that that was, uh, at the time, uh, a pick – that would, was a redundancy. You had uh, John Beeson. You had Thomas Davis. John Beeson at that point had not been finished for his career. So, you know, you never know. Like you're saying is this, is that while we're eyeballing these guys as the need at that point, maybe you get that same player at 44 and that you're right. You get a guy, like you said, white. Yeah, Devin White out of LSU. Yeah, I know Joey loves him a lot. Yeah, he won the Dick Buckus Award this year, um, which is still the best name ever to say. Um, and he's just powerful, man. He's dominant, fast, sideline to sideline. He does everything that Luke does. I mean, obviously, that's a lofty comparison. All right, here's my answer. I got my answer to your question. Okay. Is what, what do I want? I want now a starter in the first round. A day one starter. How can you one that is? That? A starter and a contributor. Because if you think about this, looking back to our first rounds, DJ Moore, uh, as close as probably as you get. Well, actually, Christian McCaffrey is close as you get to a day one contributor, right? Because we gave him the ball 37 times on the first quarter against the San Francisco Giants' his rookie year. But DJ Moore, we still didn't barely integrate till week eight. Started to come out a little bit at the end. But, you know, um, you go back, Christian McCaffrey, probably the one. It's the gym there. Go back a year before Vernon Butler. Not even going to make the team. You go back a year before that, Shaq Thompson. Uh, right now we're wondering. Um, he hasn't played more than 43% of the snaps in any season defensively. Go back before that, and I believe you got, you're got you back in the range of Kelvin Benjamin, who did have yeah. a great rookie year but has not is barely in the NFL anymore. So not only do uh, – here's my dream scenario, Cody, is a starter – a contribute and a long-term contributor for the Carolina Panthers. That's what I want in the first round. 
best tire available. If we're in the position to do it, that's what it's called BPA. You want to be able to put yourself in a position to take the best player available and not shop hungry. I'm hoping that we're able to do that, but we don't have a ton of money and um, hopefully we're able to uh, bolster in free agency and take a pro bowler, man. You want someone that starts right now. I hear you. I'm, I'm on team Tony on this one. All right, the number is 252-228-5098. Here's the last call for tonight, but you can reach us anytime, all day at that number. Cat calls line. We want to get you. We want to hear your voice, your opinion about the Carolina Panthers. Let's see what we got next, Cody. Hey, what's up? What's up? What's up, C3? It's called i I'm calling in. I'm been checking in and out tonight. My cash. Uh, um, Tony's. Can you work on seeing if we can get if you can get Mister Colin Cowherd as a guest on the podcast? <laughs> I got you. I got you. No problem. Go through your your connections and got see you. what you can do. We're gonna work on. Let's that. try to get this dude on the podcast because you know what? Write it down. It's time to. I want to call him out on his shit. And then he then he uh try to change the changes up to the, his what he said when when you talking to him um read him personally or when you interview him. So Tony, if you can do that I got you. You get your your celebrity connections to hook us up. Bring Mr. Cowherd on this show, please, please bring him so we can have a good old-fashioned talk talk with Mr. Behind the woodshed with Colin Cowherd. I will, and if you succeed in that, I will personally make sure I take the whole freaking day off (laughs) so I can make the podcast because I would love to be a part of that. Carl D is doing push-ups so in the cell every and night. Tony, Get ready for him. Cam surgery. What you think about that? How, how, do, how do you guys feel? Well, I'm ready to you, circle Cody, back to you this. Are the Cam? You are the official Cam apologist. <laughs> are you? Um, it's a beautiful does, man. Does that make you happy that he did have his surgery and everything seems like it's going? Smooth. Fake news. We don't know. You guys let me know what you think. All propaganda. And um I'm gonna get out of All off right. of here. Carl and, D, I love Carl D. He's fun. We got Colin Cowell. All right, Look. thanks, Carl D. So uh I I do want to circle back and just kind of at least before we get to the ISO picks, just kind of where we start is where we end. Every week, it's Cam Watch right now, and the, the whole point of this is that we're going to talk about free agency moves. We're going to talk about uh, guys that we hope hit in the draft, opportunities going forward. But at the end of the day, Carl D. reminds us the ultimate and central question is, what is going to happen with Cam Newton? And not only what will happen with him in the short term, but, Cody, I know that some of the local media – the Charlotte media has gotten to the point where they're asking questions. Um, And I do think this is a legitimate question to ask Cody is that as Cam Newton has dealt with a shoulder issue this past year, that he has had this second surgery 
But uh, we're kind of waiting to see is that while this is important year, the following year, I believe, is the final year of his contract. So 2020, like a presidential election, is a Cam Newton election. Let's go ahead and cue up a little quick discussion about Cam Newton and his future uh, via um, local Charlotte radio. I'm satisfied that within basically five weeks, this surgery happened. This allows him three to four months now to recover. This allows him to, unless there is a snag in the recovery process, be ready by late May and June. I don't know that he'll take part in OTAs, but I do think that he will uh, be ready, it sounds like, for July when we get to training camp. And that's what matters at this point in his career uh, for a veteran that that has played eight seasons in the NFL, has hardly missed any time. Uh, this guy is, is okay missing OTAs. I'm okay with him missing these OTAs. The rehab process has now started immediately. I think that this timing is, is absolutely uh, spot on for the Panthers and their future plans and for Cam Newton and his long-term health. Next season is going to be a critical year for Cam because his contract is up the following season. And I'll be honest, I don't think it's a slam dunk that the Panthers extend or re-sign him at the end of that. I think they're going to need to see, can he sustain himself for 16 games? Well, duh. Is the shoulder healthy enough to play a full season and into the playoffs? They need to have those answers before they decide to pay him a five-year extension at over $20 million a year into his mid to late 30s. Well, I feel passionately about this, and this I'm going to point this out to Carl Diaz. This is right now, I would say our whole franchise uh, lives and dies on Cam Newton's shoulder, the success of his shoulder, and I want it to be a success going forward. And uh, right now, I don't want to think about life without Cam. I want to think about a great life with Cam going forward. I do believe this year is important but not necessarily as important as Josh Josh Parcell is making it out to be here. I would say that this year is important to see if he makes positive progress, but if he comes out and he can play this year and it doesn't look like it's getting worse and then he goes out in 2020 and shows that he can deal and looks pretty strong and pretty good is I don't think there's any choice and not even, I don't even think it's a, I think it's an unthinking decision. If Cam looks like he's getting healthier and Cam continue to be healthy, his shoulder's not a long-term issue, it's clear that he is the long-term solution for the Carolina Panthers. But, I mean, I I don't believe this year is the make-or-break year. I just want it to be uh, a positive step forward, and I think it could and will be. Well, I think the the merit that Josh Parcell has to his uh, to his argument is that Basically, listen, if we're just talking about Cam Newton, the talent, and what he has demonstrated the ability to be able to do, there is no doubt that you sign Cam Newton if you know that you're getting that kind of player. If you know that Cam is still going to be able to produce those kinds of plays for you. Now, if you're talking about on a health level, if Cam Newton is still unable to throw the ball, you know, past 15 Of course. Yards like, why would you yeah. be neg- – that's that's a, just a giant loss of money for him. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. So, yeah, I mean, 2020 is maybe the most important year of Cam Newton's entire career. If he then- comes out this year and has a year that is notably improved from last year where you look at the health and the arm strength – 
If you look at the arm street after this year and you say things are getting better, I don't think there's even a question and a doubt in my mind that we need to see another year at that point. If you're confident in the re- rehabilitation process, I think the only question mark is, are you wary about the about Cam Newton's shoulder? Nothing else. Not his, his ability to hold up as an individual. Just is a shoulder something that will be a long-term problem. Yeah, 100%. And it's it's very important um, that, that we know uh, the health of Cam Newton going forward. And I feel bad for him, man, because, I mean, let's – Let's just paint the doomsday scenario. Let's say things don't get better. I mean, his career might be over because no one's going to sign a quarterback that that can't move the football effectively with with his arm. Now that's it's doomsday. not even going to be a problem. He's yeah. going to be fine. He's going to be. I fine. think so. I, I think so too. I think so too. I'm very. I'm He's going to come back and blow everybody away this season. And even if we don't have enough pieces around him this season, we're going to see enough to be excited enough to know that my man in 2020 is going to go take, he's going to be running for president of the NFL (laughs) in 2020. And I endorse him. I am. He's got my vote. All right. Uh, So I thanks. There's a great show tonight so far. We got one last segment. I think Um, right now, will the Super Bowl be before we come back or after? Uh, the Super Bowl was on Mon- Is it the Monday? Is it a Sunday? It's the fourth. Uh, oh, it's the day, uh, third. It's the third. February third. Is that right? Yeah, it's February third. All right, so we will not be here. I picked the Rams to win. Ken Dye messaged me on Facebook earlier today and said it's a hundred percent chance of Patriots win. In the Super Bowl, it's a hundred percent chance that I'm cheering against them. But boy, you got to know that Tom Brady knows that this is like the final golden nail or spike. It's the golden spike that connected the Transcontinental Railroad at some point. You know, this is like this could cement the biggest career in sports history, history arguably. And I hope the Rams spoil it. And I'm pulling for that nickel guy to blast somebody in the head. Nickel <laughs> Roby Jones. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he was already talking uh, trash on Tom Brady, saying he's not blast uh, him in the head. Yeah, he's not what, what it once was. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'll, I'll try and jinx it, and I'll just say that the Patriots are going to win because why wouldn't they? <laughs> it's, it's the same old song dance. They're the most. Uh, you know, consistent football team there is. Um, I love Aaron Donald, though. Aaron Donald's an absolute man amongst them. There is an opportunity where Sue and Donald could break Tom Brady in half and eat him on the field. <laughs> and I'm, I'm here for it. I want to see that. And, and some fire Super Bowl commercials and a lot of beer, and I'm a happy man. All right. Uh, I'm pulling for the Rams. All right, let's go ahead and – um, I guess that's the end. It's been a great year. It's been a fantastic year, 52 episodes, and it would not be, we would be remiss if we didn't end the 52nd, the full sixth season of the C3 Panthers podcast every Tuesday, plus more with uh, some ice up picks here. And uh, Cody, my ice up pick, I'm going to start tonight just because mine is pretty pedestrian, but something that has been irking me as of late. And that is people 
who don't say excuse me when they are the person that should say excuse me when you run into them in a place, in an aisle, particularly the grocery store, and you being that person that's trying to just be Mr. Jovial friendly to everybody, you walk or you walking down the aisle and somebody comes blasting around and they should be the person that's saying, excuse me. And you go ahead and break the ice and be like, well, excuse me. And then them mugs go silent treatment on you and act like you were the one responsible, not just being the one polite. So to you people, particularly in the grocery store, just say, excuse me, if there's any question in your mind, if you're the person that came around the corner and got in somebody's way, just go ahead and say, excuse me, or else we're going to start taking the road rage to the aisles of the grocery store for you people who are too ignorant to read a room, ice up. Ice up. Have some damn manners. How about that? To everyone with no manners, ice up. So today I am icing up um, a a team that genuinely do feel is on the up and up, but uh, they're still an easy target. I'm icing up the Cleveland Browns because a report came out about all the tumult that went on behind the scenes with Sashi Brown, the former general manager and the owner. And I'm just going to let this um, kind of speak for itself. At one point in time, uh, some marketing executives wanted uh, employees to see how fans were engaging with the Browns on social media. So they projected the Browns feed onto a giant wall at the facility. It was like broadcasting talk radio over the entire building. And one day in particular, it was worse than that. One of the marketing staffers entered search for hashtag DQ <laughs> for, dog, for dog pound. The problem, that hashtag carries a few different meanings. And Don't play it. It's <laughs> an array of porn, which was then broadcasted onto the wall in the office for over 20 minutes until an employee put a stop to it. (laughs) Dude, you're talking about the hardcore, most dirty porn imaginable is being played on the wall of a billion-dollar organization, dude. Come on, man. Only the Browns are going to do some shit like this. This isn't even surprising, but come on, man. How do you not, how does it take 20 minutes for someone to not know that porn, hard, hardcore porn, is blasting on the wall for everyone to see in here, man? Come on, to the Browns. Well, i tell you one thing is that uh, that's one way to turn the brown eye blue right there. (laughs) Jeez, Louise, is that uh, not a rough day at the office when you're the guy who types in. And then that's one of those moments like where you can't, you lose all of your mind and you like can't think. And so you're like trying to do everything to stop it. And you're like, I just don't even know how to click X anymore. And so you're like pounding the keyboard at that moment. And then they're like, pound it. And you're like, oh, God, this just got worse. 
Yeah. Yeah. Only the Browns, man. Only the Browns. <laughs> There's a lot of layers to that joke right there. If I yeah, have to get there it. is, man. I, I, dude, my mind is dirty as there is. I've caught them all. What, whatever. Uh, Browns, <laughs> ice up. Good I, God. You know, that's the, the, another lesson in life. Actually, this is a great lesson in life, is that while Twitter is a super powerful tool, it's one of those things you better be very confident you know what you're doing on Twitter if you're going to broadcast that shit at work. Because one time I pulled up Twitter, and I pulled up the tweet deck at work, and you're just, like, trying to show somebody a mention. And I've got, like, look at trailing hashtags or something, and something, some Stu Nod has retweeted something that a 17-year-old boy really was glad he retweeted. And you're like, oh, my God, this is going to ruin my whole life. So you better be careful of the Twitter use at the workplace. All right. This is the C3 Panthers podcast. It was a party. It's the last show of the year. We're going to come back after this stupid Super Bowl. We're going to come back and we're going to see how the Rams, this exciting young coach of and the guy who pulls him around on the sidelines like he's a puppet, and also a guy who uses a game clock management coach himself, a game clock management expert, how they go and beat the evil empire. Hopefully. My name's Tony Dunn. You can follow me on Twitter at cat underscore chronicles. Cody, where can they catch up with you? At C-O-D-Y-L-A-C, Cody Lack on Twitter. Guys, um, follow the work I'm doing on Draft Tech, man. Um, every uh, Wednesday, there's going to be a brand new mock draft with an in-depth analysis on the Panthers' first and second round pick. That goes live every Wednesday. Um, I'm doing some good work over there at Draft Tech. I'm having fun doing it. Uh, and check it out, man. And that's all for me. Big thanks to all the people in the chat room: Tin Tizzy, Underground West, Jake Delone, P. Thomas. Thank you for joining the show. The number's two five two 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 eight fifty ninety eight. Like, subscribe. Check us out next Tuesday as we come back. The brand new season. Big optimism. Optimism. It's just bright, shiny skies ahead of us uh, as we go into a new season and our seventh season as a podcast. Support the show. Grow Panther Nation. We'll see you next Tuesday. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.